Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am joined this week by the one and only Charles Thompson, former OU quarterback, uh, best friend of Peter Gardier, of all things, former Peter the Great. Peter the Great, that's it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, former Longhorns quarterback, um, and of course, Charles Thompson, uh, OU quarterback extraordinaire, and the father of Texas quarterback, Casey Thompson. Charles, thanks so much for joining us on the flagship podcast this week. Well, man, it's a pleasure as always, Chip, joining you. And I mean, just talking sports and football at any point, especially with everything the way it's going on right now, is always a pleasure being on with you, whether it's on your radio podcast or on this. So good to be on with you, man. Well, I, I appreciate it. And let's start right there. Let's start. Let's put your parent hat on for a second, Charles, because as we record this flagship podcast, everything is up in the air with regard to college football. It looked like we were rolling last week. You know, conferences started announcing their schedules and, and everything looked like we were headed uh, in the right direction. Then all of a sudden, uh, the Big Ten is wavering on, on the college football season, and that could impact the presidents of the other Power Five conferences to either postpone or, or I don't know what, to college football. But as a parent, Charles, what, what's your sense right now of how comfortable you are with uh, Casey Thompson, your son, uh, playing a football season at Texas? Well... <laughs> You know, maybe I'm more of the old school, old fashioned uh, chip. I, I'll tell you right now, I'm completely comfortable with it. I, I think it's, I think you know, the universities, from what I can tell, certainly in Texas, they are certainly conscious a little bit of, you know, making sure they're doing the adequate things to keep the kids safe and uh, to 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 go by the protocols that are in place to make sure that their kids are staying healthy. They're doing all the proper checking. Uh, so, from my standpoint. Uh, man, I want to see football. I'm a football junkie, and uh, I'm, I'm probably like some of the presidents out there. I'm, I'm more eager to, to try to find a way to do it as opposed to such quick to, to try to find a reason not to. And I know that there's a legitimate uh, concerns, and they're very legitimate in terms of uh, the, the, the virus, the, long, the short and long-term effects of it. Um, but, I mean, at some point we got to try to move forward and, and to continue a life in, 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 as we know it in a normalcy fashion. So I don't know when it's going to be the right time to actually start doing that. And so uh, we, we certainly went through it all through the spring and, and certainly through the summer. I just feel like as a society, we should be a little bit ahead, Chip, uh, and maybe sort of have this thing sort of figured out. And uh, it's like an old – the old football part of me says, man, it's, it's past the halftime point, man. We should have been able to, to make some adjustments to figure this thing out, and we haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Charles, what uh, I mean, Texas—they're—they're they're testing players twice a week. They want to try and increase it to three times during the season, um, if they can get a little bit more 
um, accuracy with the spit test. I mean, I think they're doing the brain scraper twice a week, which has just got to be uh, mm. trying for those players. And they want to know, hey, are we playing football or not? Um, I mean, we got to reach some kind of resolution here pretty quickly, don't we? Well, listen, I, I, it's it's really a – it's kind of chip. I don't know. I, I think it's a, it's a heading downward. Uh, you know, there was a trend, as you mentioned last week, the thought, the notion was that everybody's announcing we're doing conference only. And you would have thought with all the, 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 the planning and the we're conference only this and we're going to do a conference in one game, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, that all these different situations had come about. And, and, and you would think that they would have had enough information at that point to make whatever decision that they're now getting to the point this week where they got to turn around and do a, a reverse order on those just a week later. It doesn't make sense. I think it's right now it, what's, what's, what's really disheartening to me is that there really is no central voice. Um, I think the one thing we're starting to see now with college football, we all thought and we had the understanding, well, the NCAA is the, is the glue point, controls everything. And I think now with this pandemic, Chip, I think we're starting to see that I think the conference recognized the strength and the powers that they have. They're making their, their own decisions, some collectively with others, some on their own. And so you're starting to see, to me, a little bit of that grip, that dismantled grip that the NCAA has had over college football kind of kind of dissipating a little bit. Yeah. And obviously you're in the state of Oklahoma, and we'll get to what you've got going there. You've been amazing in the community there um, in, you know, in Moore and just, you know, outside of Norman. Um, but let's, let's talk about what you're seeing in terms of, or hearing from Lincoln Riley with regard to this and, and then with what, how Texas is handling things. Do you get that feeling they're handling it the same way or, or is Lincoln Riley taking a a different approach than, than others? Well, obviously with Oklahoma down here, they, they basically stopped practicing. And I think to a degree sent the kids kind of home or just not doing anything. So that's a little bit of different approach. I think what's going on right now down in Texas, whereas they're continually uh, moving forward uh, with some practice, some sort of practice protocol. So, no, I don't think they're handling it the same. Why or what that may mean, I'm not really going to put a finger on it to that to that degree. Uh, I, I think it's just, you know, each, each team is, is sort of an entity in its own. It's, a, it's about how they're handling the internal issues. Now, some of it may all be particularly to COVID protocol. Some may be some other issues that, that are going on. And, I, you know, you, Chip, you're starting to see this, this notion. I saw this morning where these players are now coming out with unified demands. And that brings on an interesting dynamic as well. Yeah. No, it's a – it is. Uh, student athletes have never had more leverage than they have right now. And I think they know what's at stake. They know how much power they have. And, and they're trying to use this opportunity to um, to make changes in the game that are beneficial to them. And we'll see how all of that uh, plays out and whether the relationship with college football, certainly the Power Five and the NCAA, whether that relationship is uh, – not uh, for long, uh, and maybe the Power Five is getting ready to break off and do its own thing in terms of uh, a governing structure with with regard to college football. But let's, uh, I, I, you know, I love uh, catching up with you, and of course, uh, you know, I, I like to hear your thoughts on uh, where things are in terms of 
Um, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, and o- Oklahoma, the five-time defending Big 12 champion. If we're just talking football, Charles, and, and looking at who's got who and what in terms of personnel, Oklahoma, uh, not going to go with a grad transfer quarterback, going to go with Spencer Rattler or Tanner Mordecai. I think everyone believes it'll be Spencer Rattler. But um, is that any kind of window of opportunity for Texas with, with all of its veteran talent coming back to, to possibly shake up the Big 12 and, and, and unseat the Sooners in 2020? Well, listen, Chip, if there's ever any uh, platform put together that presents that perfect opportunity for Texas, in my opinion, uh, this is the year. I, I think a lot of it, not necessarily solely on the fact that they're going to break in a new signal caller and it's going to be for the first time a homegrown, so to speak, kid that, you know, hitting the transfer anyway, as you mentioned, I think it has a lot to do with maybe perhaps the, at some point, the, the, the hungry dog gets even hungrier and gets tired of chasing the meat and kind of corners it and figures out a way to try to say, hey, I've got to start trying to turn a corner. We saw you go back uh, years ago when, you know, Florida State owned the ACC and Clemson's made that emergence. You go back, you know, obviously when Alabama had a tight grip on it for years and years and years, and you're now starting to see the emergence of Georgia now elevate themselves. And so I think that's the same thing that will exist this year. I think Texas has heard enough of Oklahoma owning the Big 12 person. Just, and this is coming from a little bit of maybe the inside information I get to hear, not just in, in direct conversation, but you can sense it just in the overall attitude of, of, man, I mean, we're just as good or we have just as good players or we can do this, we can do that, running this away. And so I think a lot of that, uh, people get tired of hearing that. And, and, and at some point, uh, you know, the bully has to get bullied. And I think this is, the, to me, perhaps the best year for Texas to do that. I think, I think a lot of that's on their, their senior leadership especially at the quarterback position. If, if there is a year uh, that Texas should have an advantage at that position, uh, regardless of what you think or don't think of Sam Ellinger, he's had a lot of game experience. He's been in this game multitude of times. There isn't a stage that should be too, should, that should be too big for him. And I think it's time for him, in my opinion, to be the leader. And, and, and if, to me, if he wants to leave his legacy where I think people want to leave it, I think it would it would certainly be a big deal for that if he were to certainly end it in, in beating Oklahoma this year and even uh, capitalize it on a Big 12 championship. Well, let's talk about Casey Thompson, your son, in that equation. A lot of people, um, you know, we haven't gotten to see Casey for an extended period of time, so I'm a little bit uh, against Rice last year. But, um, you know, a lot of people wondering, is Casey ready? If something happens to Sam, could Casey step in? And how effective would he be? And, you know, you and I have talked in the past. I've heard great things from uh, the coaching staff, but now you got a new offensive coordinator in there, Mike Yursich, who you've, you know, for people who don't know, Charles Thompson, who we're speaking with, has been a longtime radio voice in Oklahoma City doing sports talk in the afternoons. And, and obviously, you follow college football, the Big 12, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State very closely. Um, you know, give us your thoughts on, on Casey and his preparedness and then how things, you know, are going under Mike Yersich. Well, let me say this first and foremost. I think, Chip, there's a lot of 
it's always one of those deals like when you when you sat around it's like having milk in the refrigerator and you all of a sudden you're you're the the, the carton in the back people tend to forget about that and they're always looking for the new carton that comes along and i think it's a little bit of the case. Everyone right now has their eyes focused on Sam Ellinger. They have some hot new younger kids' names that are coming in. I honestly don't feel like Case has really ever, in my opinion, gotten the due and the respect that he's deserved even coming in. Obviously, he came in with Cameron Rising. There's a lot of speculation as to which one would be the bigger name. Ultimately, Casey stuck it out with Texas. Here's what I can tell you. I think a lot of people, Chip, when it's all said and done, are going to be pleasantly shocked and surprised on Casey Thompson as a complete quarterback. I mean, in terms of quarterback IQ, uh, in terms of what he can do with his legs, and in terms of passing the football. Here's what I can tell you. Um, you know, Mike Yersich uh, and Casey and myself have a little bit of history that goes back, well, when Oklahoma State started recruiting Casey uh, out of high school here in Oklahoma when he was at Oklahoma State. So Mike Yersich is not a stranger to us. Um, the offense that he runs, passing game element, actually, to be quite honest with you, Chip, is a little bit more along the lines what Casey ran in his high school. Uh, so there are a lot of things that I feel like will, um, when it's all said and done, I think a lot of people will see that I, I think they've got uh, a gem and a quarterback at Casey. I know there's some, some other younger guys there on campus that are certainly going to be getting rant and raved about, as they always do, but around this game long enough to know. But I think in the end of the day, I think that um, I think Casey not only will be ready, I think he is ready to step in if needed at any point. And I think could continue Texas uh, on that level. I think that they're trying to search to and get to. Yeah. And I, the funny thing is that I, I agree with you. I don't think Casey's gotten the credit he deserves for his accuracy. I mean, people are thinking, oh, Casey's really good with his legs, but how how effective is he as a passer? And you know, I've heard from uh, Tom Herman and, you know, Tom Herman that well, his ball placement is, is top-notch. Well, Chip, Chip, oh, here's, here's – listen, I'm old school, okay? I'm an old player. And, and, and Grant, you, you, I always joke to you about this. So, when as a player, good knows good. And, you know, it doesn't matter what's written. Because, you know, when I played in Oklahoma – you're honest with you, Chip. No one knew about me behind Jamel Holloway. It was supposed to be Bernard Hall or Eric Mitchell or someone else. But the players knew because they're there every day. So I tell people, I don't care what's written, what people say, and how much people want to blow smoke. Ask the players. They'll tell you the truth. And I can guarantee you this. There are a lot of players down there that respect Casey Thompson's work ethic, his leadership. And I can guarantee you this. If you ask them all, who spends the most time throwing the ball and working with them when coaches on the rail in terms of organizing passing sessions and doing extra things, I guarantee you, Chip, I'm not just saying I'm his dad because I know. I know what the answer is going to be. There's a lot of respect going in terms of him. I've always built cases. No matter where you're at, pretend as if you're already the guy. Don't wait to be the guy, and you go about your business if you're the guy. And I think certainly uh, he's done that on the offseason. He's worked tremendously hard, and I, I'll be honest with you, Chip, I'm not concerned about it. I, I know that uh, – I know when given the right opportunity, the kid's going to do what he does and what he's always done. And that's uh, – you know, he's, he's – you know, the thing about it is people always talk about his uh, running, but, you know, he's 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 stone from line of scrimmage – actually, overall yardage. He's Oklahoma's high school all-time leading yardage getter 
from scrimmage, all purpose, that includes passing and running, in the history of the state of Oklahoma. He didn't just do that by running the football. He did that by throwing it. He, he was in an offense that ran a lot of RPOs and put the ball around the field. So, I, I, I listen, I, I, it's unfortunate. I think a lot of times, Chip, and this is not a race, I think a lot of times, unfortunately, the, the, the black quarterback always has to prove he can throw, uh, and people just automatically assume that he's more of a runner than a thrower. I think people realize that Casey's actually more of a passer than he is a runner. Well, and obviously Casey was in the, the transfer portal, decided to come out. You think he's happy with his decision? Um, and, you know, how comfortable is he with the, you know, the, the likely, okay, let's say Sam Ellinger has a great year and Casey doesn't get on the field that much. Um, how comfortable is he with his opportunity to start for the Longhorns next season? I Here's what I can tell you, Chip. I think Casey believes he's the best quarterback on campus right now, period. Uh, and that's not taking anything away from anyone. Um, but, I mean, you know, as an athlete, I mean, I thought that. Heck, Jamel Holloway just won a national championship. And I walked into campus, and I walked in there after a week of training camp and told Coach Donna, who was my quarterback coach, and Coach Switzer, I think I can beat him out. Give me a chance to beat him right now. Pound for pound. Because good knows good. I got a chance to size him up. I've been in the meeting rooms with him. I've been on the practice field with him. He knows a little bit more mentally than I did, but he's not the, the athlete I was. That's how I felt. And so, I, I, listen, I think Sam, Sam's done a tremendous job. But if, a, if an athlete who's true to himself doesn't think he's better than the guy in front of him, then he's comfortable being a number two guy. And that's certainly not Casey. He's not comfortable being number two. He wants to be number one. Uh, and, and so at the end of this year, you know, obviously he's, he, he feels like he's in prime position um, to be the next guy up. And obviously there's going to be competition, but I think he's comfortable enough. He feels confident enough in himself. Uh, and, and, and that was in part a part decision that he came back. You know, right now he's in position, Chip. He will graduate this spring. Um, but obviously uh, he will be the guy, in my opinion, that should be uh, in, in, in a or going to the clubhouse, should be the leader of the guy that's coming out of the clubhouse for, for the starting quarterback job at the University of Texas for the next couple of years. Great stuff with uh, Charles Thompson. If you're listening to us on uh, uh, your pod podcast platform, uh, we'll be right back with Charles Thompson. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Charles, you know, I've had so much fun getting to know you. And one of the fascinating things for me uh, in you know, getting to know you is that you and Peter Gardier not only became <laughs> good friends, but you married the man for crying out loud. And, and it started with your uh, friendship in the Canadian Football League. Is that right? I met Peter when we were both a part of the Sacramento Gold Miners. And I always tell this story, Chip. Uh, he's out there and they kept saying his name, Peter Gardier. But, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking, now, I know that name, but I played quarterback, you know, and I'm sitting there and kept saying his name and funny stories. So finally I went over to ask him, like, Peter, like, Peter Gardier, like, 
Then you play quarterback? Why are you over the button? <laughs> he said, well, aren't you Charles Thompson? I said, yeah. He goes, well, you was a quarterback. Why are you over in the receiver line? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, obviously, you do what you got to do to get a check and keep playing football. Uh, and that's how, man, Peter and I hit it off from that point. Uh, that was probably, man, I don't know, 1992 uh, and, uh, uh, or so. Maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit later than that. But we've been friends ever since. And just a strange deal a couple of years ago, man, he called me up. And, of course, you know, Peter's been single forever. And uh, he, I called me up and said he's getting married. And I had had the time and had gotten my minister's license here in the state of Oklahoma. And he said, man, are you kidding me? I, he goes, I'm looking for somebody to do my wedding. I said, boy, get out of here. You're not getting married. And he goes, yes, I am. I'm serious. I was like, won't you do it? I thought he was joking with me. And ultimately, I ended up doing it. It was an honor and a privilege to be able to do that for someone I consider to be a very good friend. And, you know, it's funny, Chip. I'd hung around Peter many, many years. Uh, you know, going to OU Texas games, we meet down in Dallas, and I would spend a lot of time around the Texas uh, fans and crowds and got to see another side of that Red River rivalry long before my son ever became a part of that part of that side of it with the Longhorns. And so I've always admired the fact that this is, to me, a very, very big, unique game in itself when they meet up in Dallas down there. And it, it was – Peter and I have hit it off, and we've been good buddies, and we, you know, like I said, we'll probably be till the day we die. Well, in that game – I'm always I always ask the players in that game what you know makes that special and it sounds like the the division of the fans at the 50 yard line has such a profound impact on the sound during that game that if you're the team that's ahead and has the momentum that sound lifts you up and you feel like superman if you're the team that's down that sound can just make you feel like you're playing underwater uh what's what's your take on the, the uniqueness of being on the field in that game, Charles? Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's just, you know, certainly, Chip, it's, it's one of those deals where you feel fortunate because if you go back through the history of since I've been alive, that's been a big game. Like when I first started watching OU football, one of the bigger games that was broadcast on television has always been for the Sooners, the OU Texas game. So from the age of six going on up, watching Oklahoma, um, being a true Sooner guy like I was, man, to have an opportunity to play in that game, I, I got to be honest with you, Chip, even today as I think back on it, it is priceless, the experience that I got to fulfill something that I envisioned and seen and hoped for myself from, from the early ages of six years old. And when you go down that ramp and you're seeing the, the, the fans, because here's the deal, no matter what uh, or how good the teams are doing, both fan bases believe they got a chance to win the game for the most part. Uh, and, and obviously because of how they show up. And so I think when you go down that ramp, man, and you enter that, that stadium, man, it's just, just a, it's just a surreal type of feeling. It's an atmosphere, in my opinion, that's second to none. You know, we, during the, we, there's not a lot of games that I've played in, for the most part, that you have weeks, like, oh, you Texas week. Not just game, but, oh, you Texas week, where, you know, I remember Coach Switcher at practice, we would, the eyes of Texas was played all during practice time. All, and, and, and finally, when I asked Coach Switch, like, Coach, why do you, why do you play this song? Oh, this is a Texas song. He said, Charlie, I play this song because uh, I want you to get so tired of hearing it on, 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 during the week that you don't hear it during Saturday during the game because I don't want that band saying anything, you know. <laughs> and so that's kind of stuff. And so you just – man, it's just one of those deals. It was just – to me, it's just a great game. It's a great environment. Uh, it's just one of those games 
to me, it's tragic. I think for me as an OU fan, there's only really two games that really meant a lot. Uh, three, actually, but two, the OU-Texas game as a fan growing up, obviously the OU-Nebraska game, which is no more, and still the Oklahoma-OSU game. But, but the OSU-Oklahoma game didn't have as much significance because I felt like there was always more pressure on Big Brother, who I call the Oklahoma Sooners, not wanting to get beat by Little Brother. When you talk about the OU-Texas, it was always sort of a bragging right, mutual respectful deal. And, of course, the OU-Nebraska was usually for the conference championship, so that took on a different deal and the right to go play in the Orange Bowl. So, man, it just – those are the three games for me. The, the, to me, the, the Texas game and the Nebraska game are pretty close up there on my list of being uh, the greatest games that I was a part of as an Oklahoma Sooner and, and even now as a fan and, and as, as a dad. Barry Switzer told me that the team with the best quarterback usually wins the Red River Shootout. Is it that simple, Charles, or is there more to it? Well, I think the reason why it's easy to say that for the most part is because they're usually pretty similar and close in talent-wise across the board. So it's going to take some, some, some plays that are off script sometimes, you know, that, that you can't account for. And, and more, who has the ball in their hand more than anyone in football? It's the quarterback, especially uh, in, the, in the era where, you know, Oklahoma was with running the wishbone. So that's why, obviously, Switzer believed that theory because, obviously, he had the ball in his quarterback hand a tremendous amount of time and so how we played during the course of every Saturday usually had a direct indication of how well we were going to do and whether we won or lost. Um, Switzer always, you know, said, too, Texas may have invented the wishbone, but we perfected it. Um, you know, give me some of your – and Chip, and, Chip, that's something that people – that's something a lot of people don't really recognize or know, that the wishbone came from Texas, really not from Oklahoma. Right. You know, that's, I mean, I know when I first thought I was like – Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. You know, it's something that people don't know. Right. What, uh, you have a favorite Switzer story? I mean, that guy commands the room. Wow. I mean, there's just so many of them. Um, gosh, I, I can go on and on and on and on about certain different things. I think the thing that I will say most about Coach Switzer is, you know, Chip, a lot of people, a lot of people talk about Switzer and I, and, I, and I get to hear it on both sides. Like, I hear it now on the Texas side and what people thought about him and this or that. And here's the end of the day. Whether you liked or disliked him as a coach, I'm going to tell you what you need to understand. As a man, that's where he gets most of my respect because I know that he loved me. Even despite all that I went through, all the things that happened to me at the University of Oklahoma, I can still pick up the phone and call that man, and he'll still – go to bat for me and, and try to help me out. And that's why his players loved him. So this is what I would tell you about Coach Switzer, and, and I could give you a thousand stories. I just want people to really understand and know, forget about the wins or losses. This man, this man cared uh, and, and had, had a great impact on a lot of young athletes uh, that uh, will, will, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Chip, to this day, if he said, we're going to chip, we're going to line up, and we're going to try to play again. There are a lot of guys that play for him that would try to do it for old coach because that's what he meant to them. And that's, that's really the nuts and bolts of what I can tell you about him. I love him to death, man. There is no other Barry Switch. Yeah. Yeah, Todd Dodge told me during that, uh, that 1980, I guess it's the game in 84, it's raining, it's the, the tie, the game that was a tie. And, of course, OU says, you know, we absolutely won that game. 
but uh, Todd Dodge got knocked out of bounds, and he's like under the OU bench, and then Switzer's standing over him with a cigarette. And he's like, TD, you're not looking too good. And, and Todd said, yeah, coach, uh, uh, it's, I've been better. But he yeah. couldn't believe he looked up and there's Switzer smoking a heater right during the game. Yes, I mean, there, Chip, listen, man, there, he's just a unique guy, man. I just, you know, there's, there's, you know, I just, even the fact that he walks into my high school recruiting me, Chip, and he's got on, he got on his fur coat, but I'm not to you. And he's pulled up in a limo in the front and he goes around, he's got all these rings on his finger. And he looks at me, and when he finally comes to the coach's office, I'm sitting there waiting for him. And he gives his hand. He says, Charlie, where are you going to go where you can play for these each and every year? Come be a Sooner. Let's go win some championship. <laughs> you know, he just – he just – he. I mean, you know, it was like – you know, it was uh, – I mean, just the way he, he goes about – the way he cared about his players and the, and the things that he did. I mean, you know, he just uh, – I'm Chip, I'm just serious. I, if I had to go do college over again and you – and, and I could pick any coach. I mean, obviously, I'm biased. I play for him. But I've been around a lot of them, too. There's some good ones, too, out there. I'm going to tell you, there's some, some others that would be close. But, man, I don't know that I could play. If I could choose, I don't know if it wouldn't be Barry Switzer first and Barry Switzer my second choice because I just think he was that heck of a kind of guy. What's the funniest thing you ever heard him say to a player? Well, so, well, I mean, there's a lot of funny things. I'll tell you the funniest thing that I, I – well, one of the funny stories I heard, so, like, our coaches was recruiting a kid, and they were talking about how good this kid was, and this is the true story. Switzer walks by, and so we were all sitting there talking, and the coach was talking, and Switzer walks by so nonchalantly, Chip, and he says – basically just says if he – he goes, in a nonchalant manner – if in black, I don't want him, and just keeps on walking. And 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 what he and this is what he meant. He said, Charles, I don't. I got to be honest with you. Like, of course, everyone knows Switzer grew up around uh, the minority, the black, you know, black uh, um, um, culture. And he said the one thing that I've learned and admire about uh, certainly black males. And this is what he said back long ago. He says, y'all do everything with a chip on your shoulder. And usually when the going gets tougher, you guys don't fold up because you're getting used to having to go against adversity your entire lives. It makes for a heck of a football player when it's crunch time and you're down there in Lincoln, Nebraska, and you got to go for it on fourth and two. That's kind of what his, his motto was. And that's, wow. just, that's just his nutshell, how he, how he thought about it. Yeah. Well, tell everybody what you're doing now, Charles, because, you know, you've, you've been very open about the, you know, the things you went through coming out of the – University of Oklahoma, um, but you've gone on to have an incredible impact on the community there, um, as I said, in Moore and, and in and around Oklahoma City. Tell everybody what you're doing now. Well, listen, I, Chip, I, I felt a passion years ago. Uh, you know, one of the biggest influences on my life is, is, was my Little League coach years ago in Lawton, Oklahoma. And so I've always wanted to if put in a position to be able to give back. I, I run a 22-acre, five-football field complex here in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, been doing it with my nonprofit organization for the last 20 years. Uh, and so that's sort of my passion of what, what I do on a daily basis. We had just a big weekend this past weekend. We had an event where we had probably – we had 70, close to 70 football teams out there. Thousands of kids through the years have gone and played out there. That's kind of my passion, what I do. 
uh, from a give back standpoint. As you know, I, I also uh, go around the country training quarterbacks with football university, FBU, uh, which is a great joy of mine as well. And then um, um, I also have my own radio show, as you know, here in Oklahoma City, on Oklahoma City CBS Sports Radio 105.3 uh, on uh, Monday through Fridays, uh, 3 to 6 p.m. Been doing that. And then, of course, uh, what I do actually for a true living is I've been in, uh, in the oil business here. Obviously, it's down low. Uh, not doing very good right now, but been, a, been a, in oil field sales for the last several years and uh, working for uh, a company that's a good friend of my own, and it's been a great opportunity for that. And, and uh, so I've been blessed uh, to be able to, to, to come back to Oklahoma despite all the ups and downs, uh, you, know, you know, with, my, with, with things. I mean, it, Oklahoma's been good to me, and so I've been blessed to, have a, to live a pretty good life out, even after my football career. All right, if we, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If we get uh, a football season, Charles, who would you pick right now in the Red River shootout? Who wins that, and then who wins the Big 12 this year? Well, I th- here's what I think. I think that obviously it's hard, Chip, to go against Oklahoma uh, because they've just done it for year after year after year. Um, I, here's what I think. I think there's a sleeper out there. Um, I think, man, I'd, I'd really keep my eye out on, on Oklahoma State and, and, and with Spencer Sanders and what he's able to do. But, man, all honestly, in the Red River, uh, I, I would say – I'd say Sam Elger's going to win the first matchup. I really feel like that he's got to. I don't, I, I, I don't think it bodes well for I – don't, I, don't, I don't see a scenario – I think if Oklahoma – can't beat Texas. I mean, Texas can't beat Oklahoma in the Red River when I think Spencer Sanders, who Spencer Rattler, or Tanner Mordecai, whoever it may be, is kind of green. Boy, I don't know how they would be able to do it, you know, after they got a lot more games under the belt in, in a rematch in the second time around. You know what I'm saying? If that right. were the case. So I think it's I think I would probably look to see Texas kind of beat Oklahoma uh, in the in the in the Red River. And I think that's a rematch in the Big 12. And I, I'm, I, at that point, uh, I, I think it's a crap shot. I'm not sure who would actually win the rematch. Yeah, yeah, it's great stuff. I hope we get it. Um, Charles, you're, you're the best. I mean, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall uh, when you were a player at OU and Barry Switzer's <laughs> holding court in his mink coats and shiny rings. And, Charlie, where are you, you going to get to play for these? You know what I mean? It's, come on, it's, come on, be a soon. It's, 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 it's funny, Chip, you say that. You know, everyone always remembers under the OU Nebraska game where Jamel Holloway was, was hurt that he wore a fur coat on the sideline. But what people don't know is we had matching fur coats. <laughs> so I actually had well, the same coat, but I didn't, obviously I was playing in the game, so I wasn't going to be wearing one. But but it was, man, listen, those times were great times at the University of Oklahoma. We had a lot of fun. We were winning a lot of football games. For the most part, you know, we were ranked one or two or three or four uh, in the country, uh, started the season, and uh, it was a big stage type of an atmosphere. And so I was just blessed to be a part of that. Um, the Switzer era, I was blessed to be uh, one of the guys that he thought was good enough to be a quarterback at the University of Oklahoma to be able to live my dream out. So um, it's good to be, you know, still around college football. I love the fact that, you know, Chip, I'll tell you, man, the last thing I'll say is I don't know if I can live in Oklahoma, though if my son actually becomes a starting quarterback 
and he beats Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry or the Big 12 championship, I don't know how long I can stay in Oklahoma. That's a thought that's been running in my mind. I don't know, uh, but it'd be a great experience to, to, to be able to see my son have that kind of success and be able to perform on that stage at some point. How about that? Didn't Eric Dickerson want to be a Sooner too? And his mom was yes, like, he did. you are not going yeah. to play for Barry Switzer. Yeah, yes, he did. That's right. Almost got Eric Dixon too. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was like, I wanted to go to Oklahoma. My mama said, no, over my dead body. But, uh, yeah. Charles, great stuff. Always appreciate the conversation. Really, really fun stuff. And uh, stay safe and keep the faith. All right, Chip. Thank man. As always, enjoyed being on with you. All right. There you have it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the flagship podcast right here. Uh, and check out all the podcasts at Horns. 24 7 uh over on itunes wherever you listen to your podcast and of course uh the video podcast streaming on the 24 7 sports youtube channel until next week everybody uh stay safe and keep the faith thanks for listening on may 23rd i want to go back to normal what's normal the paramount plus original series evil returns we've already hunted werewolves demons and now what a baby antichrist (laughs) prepare yourself you will not beat us for the end i have visions of hell make it stop make it shut up you're not gonna survive this evil the final season streaming may 23rd only on paramount plus